This is Archive Atlanta, episode 228, Albert Anthony Tenag Brown. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So if you've been listening to me for a while, you know my love for any and all buildings designed by architect A. Tenag Brown. I'm not an architect, nor an architectural historian, nor have any real knowledge of the discipline, but I can say as a layperson that certain architecture evokes a feeling inside of me. And then usually that's Art Deco, mid-century, but for some reason, an A. Tenag Brown structure always stops me in my tracks, which is weird because his style is really classicism, Beaux-Arts. It's not, you know, super different, like Lots of buildings look like that. And Brown was really prolific in Atlanta. There are so many things he designed. So this week, we're going to do a mini episode about him. It's not going to go super in depth. Like I'm going to list what he did. I'm going to try to make note to tell you if it's still around. Um, We're going to talk about his life, how we got to Atlanta, again, all the stuff he worked on, and then what you can still see. Albert Anthony Ten Eyck Brown was born in 1878 in Albany, New York, to parents Frederick and Catherine. His father was an architect as well, and he had five siblings, Joseph Frederick W., Sheffield, Lydia, and Kathleen. He was educated at the Albany Military Academy and took night classes at the Academy of Design in New York City. After graduation, he apprenticed at the offices of several New York architects, including R.W. Gibson and Bright and Bacon. Henry Bacon would later design the Lincoln Memorial. It also appears that his brother Frederick became an architect at some point because by 1900, the two brothers opened the firm of Brown and Brown in Tennessee. Brown's time in Tennessee was short-lived, only about two years if I got the date right. And I tried to get an idea of what he worked on there, but so much of it was submission for design. And so I couldn't really confirm what, if any, was like selected and actually built. He did do the Carnegie Library in Jackson. Um, he submitted plans for some courthouses and a YMCA. He left Nashville in 1902 when he accepts a position in Washington, D.C. as the assistant designer in the office of the supervising architect in the Treasury Department. So in this position, he designed post offices in Norwich, Connecticut, Boone, Iowa, and several other cities. He was later promoted to supervising architect, and he designed the Stonely and Ontario Apartments, which are in D.C., the Occidental Building, uh, Willard Hotel, and the National Homeopathic Hospital. After government service, he spent a short time working independently in D.C. and designed the Brown and Tolson Warehouse. In the summer of 1903, Albert Anthony married Amanda Cheatham Pierce of Nashville, Tennessee. So her family was a very prominent um like Nashville family, they had been lifelong friends of the Brown family, although the couple had only met a couple months prior. Now, while the announcement in the papers said that the wedding would take place in D.C., I think it actually took place at the parents' home. Sometime between then and 1905, Frederick Brown, so his brother, and his wife make the move to Atlanta, and they start being introduced into Atlanta society. In May of 1907, Anthony and Catherine rented a cottage on Kimball Street in Atlanta, but then they took a short leave to New Orleans. So once they're back in Atlanta for good, Brown worked under the tutelage of P. Thornton 
Mari Mayer. I had this issue in the Fox Theater episode. I do not know how to say this man's last name. Um, but he is the architect of Atlanta's Terminal Station, St. Luke's Episcopal, uh, and the Fox Theater, among many others. I know that the two of them collaborated on St. Luke's design in 1906. And Brown was mainly responsible for Birmingham's Terminal Station. But I'm not sure about his influence and everything else. By 1907, he separated his business from Thornton's. Um, he went to work simply under his name, A. Tenike Brown, comma, architect. And let me tell you as an aside, so his advertisements from the time were simply his photo and his name. And the guy was really good looking. <laughs> you know, I 100% understand this marketing scheme because I, I might call him too if I needed an architect um, back before like social media and stuff. In 1908, he designed the studio building, which was at James and Forsyth Streets downtown, and it was specifically for architect and design offices. So Brown had his offices there, along with uh, W.E. Brown & Co., which were decorators. In 1908, he designed the first Glen building on Spring Street um, using Southern Pharaoh Concrete. So Edwin Ansley, who he kind of owned the realty development company um, who built this, he is like touting this new revolutionary idea of using reinforced concrete for buildings. And so that building, um, it was very much like, come look at this, like, look what we can do with this material. Now, sadly, that building was torn down in 1922 for the current Glen Hotel building. In 1909, Brown designed the Flanders and Netherlands apartment buildings. Uh, he also became associated with the new Ansley Park. And so same guy, Edwin Ansley, um, I think at this point probably was his friend. He designs his large granite estate and garage in the neighborhood, which I talked about this in the Governor's Mansion episode, but it eventually becomes the Governor's Mansion. And while the house itself no longer stands, the garage does still stand and it is a private home. In 1910-1911, he designed the new St. Anthony's Church in the West End, which still stands today. Um, he did the Spalding County Courthouse, which has since been destroyed by fire. He also did the current Fulton County Courthouse with Morgan and Dillon, which still stands today. It's also been in the news recently. Um, and so like all architects, he also had a ton of small jobs and alterations. Um, and it's funny for me to be like, oh, A. Tonic Brown designed someone's garage. Um, but you know, he's got to pay the bills. Um, and he did a lot of these small things. So alterations at um, the Church of Immaculate Conception. He did a new entrance at Marist College. He did the Wimbish House Garage, which is on Petrie Street. Um, something with the Orm residence. He did a couple of smaller buildings. And then, of course, the bigger stuff. So he completed designs for St. Joseph's Infirmary, the Inman Building, the Guarantee Trust and Banking Company Building, uh, Stanford Moses Apartments, the Georgian Hotel in Athens, not here, uh, the Piedmont Sanitarium, and the First National Bank in Dalton. In 1912, Brown designed and moved into his own personal home in Ansley Park, which still stands today on 17th Street. And so the house was made with concrete and stone. It is home to the Browns until at least the 1930s, from what I can tell. Uh, his wife was really big in Atlanta's drama scene. And, um, I think she ran the Atlanta Drama League out of there. and They had meetings and performances. In 1914, Atlanta becomes the first city to adopt the community mausoleum movement. I talked about this in, I think, one of the cemetery episodes. Seems kind of funny to think about now, but community mausoleums, really a newfangled idea. Um, and this was a really big deal. So A. Tenike Brown wins the design for this mausoleum. It is the one that is still standing at Crestlawn Cemetery. And 
might be weird, but it's one of my favorite buildings that he's designed. From 1915 to 1917, he designed the Municipal Auditorium in Albany, Georgia, uh, Rome City Hall and Auditorium, and the Washington Memorial Library in Macon. In 1918-ish, Lanier University commissioned Brown to design a reduced-scale replica of the Lee Mansion in Arlington, Virginia, which they named Arlington Hall. And so this is on University Drive in Morningside, and the story of the college is really interesting. It really just fell apart in 1921. The building later became a synagogue, and it is still standing today. The 1920s is considered Atlanta's boom time. You have Forward Atlanta campaign. It's bringing businesses and new residents. And this was really kind of a boom for Brown as well. So he saw the completion of St. Anthony's finally took a long time to build. Um, He also designed the municipal market, which is today the Sweet Auburn Curb Market. I also talked about this in the City Hall episode, but A-10-I Brown submitted the original design for our current city hall building. And while it was rejected, the chosen design, the one you see today, looks to me, untrained eye, pretty much identical to what he suggested. He did take that work though, and he pretty much put it into the Dade County Courthouse in Miami. And so it's supposed to be very similar. Also in the 1920s, he worked on the Cherokee County Courthouse, uh, the Book Bindery Building, which is on Peachtree Street. He did that with Alfredo Barilli. Uh, He was also pretty much any school building around this time, the Italian Romanesque style one. So I think, let's see, the old Girls High slash Roosevelt High in Grant Park, which is um, apartments today. He was either the supervising or associate architect on that. During the decade, he maintained his Atlanta offices, but he also had one in Jacksonville, Florida, where he designed the old Federal Reserve Bank building with Henrietta Dozier, who I talked about in episode 117 because she was Atlanta's first female architect. So for me, like the collision of history was really amazing. And I was in Jacksonville in May and definitely figured out where that building was and went to see it. By 1930, A. Tenike Brown was one of the most active architects in Atlanta. His state highway board building really set the design pattern for this stripped down, what they called depression classical that most government buildings were using. Um, his finest work, my personal favorite, is the Federal Post Office Annex, which is today the Martin Luther King Jr. Federal Building. So this is on essentially two streets because it's so big. It's on Forsyth Street on one side and Ted Turner on the other. And he designs it with Barilli and W. Humphreys as associate architects. And this is completed in 1933. The post office annex is considered his best work. It's really a classic of the New Deal architecture projects. Um, It's still stunning today. Later in the decade, he designed the Thornton Building, which is still downtown. And he began work on the Clark Howell Homes, which was a public housing project. Now, he was associate architect on the Clark Cowell homes as long as as much as I can tell. Um, and these are no longer standing, but he did not live to see them completed. In June of 1940, Albert Anthony Tenike Brown died of a blood clot in his home on Piedmont Avenue. His body was prepared and cremated at H.M. Patterson Funeral Home here in Atlanta, and then his remains were buried in Nashville, Tennessee. So there you have it, the quick story of A. Tenike Brown, and hopefully some buildings that you might know and you didn't know he designed them, or maybe you're like a groupie like me. So if you have a favorite building, send it to me. Like I, I, I love to learn some more. I love to hear what your favorite design is. 
Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, There's also a Patreon link in the show notes if you want to support the work. I hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.